0: This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday. You can find us here on YouTube, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War of the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils.
1: This is a live program. Today is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm glad we made it to November. And it's been a long time. But I'm excited to be here with my longtime friend, Benjamin Baruch. I'm sure you know him. The day of the Lord is at hand. Benjamin, you want to open us in prayer?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Father, thank you. That in the midst of chaos, your kingdom is still a kingdom of peace of shalom lord days of darkness have now come forth upon the earth and deep darkness is covering the minds of the people of this world you're about to cause the light of salvation to shine upon the light the hearts and the minds of those who belong to you lord i pray a word of truth would come forth this hour that would edify bless and and warn and equip your people. Pray your Holy Spirit would lead this program and that every attempt by Satan to to block or to to derail this message would be thwarted, Lord, that you'd send guardian angels uh, where needed to protect this word of truth that must get through in this final hour. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Benjamin, welcome back, my friend. I really mean that, and uh, your audio sounds great and uh i haven't heard the latest update on news give us an update
2: yeah wow i mean you know i woke up to to the news um i'm still processing and going through it but <clears throat> apparently the nasrallah who's the head of hezbollah is going to deliver an ultimatum to israel on november 3rd at 3 p.m. so 11323 at at 3 p.m. And there's a little video that they've already announced, and it shows him signing orders. So, you know, it's pretty clear he's going to give an order uh, to Hezbollah to declare war on Israel. China has also announced their their military. um, The Ministry of National Defense made a public announcement that the United States military and the United States government are war addicts, and intervention will be needed to stop the American machine that wherever the American military goes, people die and that the United States is completely out of control. Um, We are in severe danger. You know, Russia has also chimed in and we know from the testimony of the defectors who, who came to the United States from communist bloc countries. We know from speeches that, that have been released covertly, you know, inside speeches by communist leaders in China that the plan for World War Three involved a multiple phase attack on the West designed to draw U.S.-NATO forces into m- more than just one conflict and that these phases were not only to spread us too thin, but also to exhaust our our capacity to fight, to, to exhaust our munition supplies. And, you know, because because the world had become a, um, a planet of peace following the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, right, the peace dividend had come and successive incompetent or I guess you, you could call them traitors, really, successive leaders in the West uh, basically allowed our military to degrade, and allowed our munition stockpiles to to be reduced. And you know, after a year and a half of uh, of you know something similar to trench attrition warfare in Ukraine, we don't really have the munitions to fight a massive war on multiple fronts. But here we go, because the the second phase of World War Three, which according to the released plans, it was going to involve an attack on Israel from Hamas, Hezbollah, and then ultimately Iran and other Arab nations to draw Israel and the United States into a major Middle East conflict. While at the same time, the war in Ukraine continues to rage on phase three. If they continue, according to script will be war in the Korean peninsula initiated by a surprise strike by North Korea on South Korean military bases, U S bases in South Korea, U S bases in Japan. And suddenly we'll be in a three front war. And uh, we're going to find out that our, our military dominance has turned into military obsolescence, you know, as the aircraft carrier has been obsoleted by the hypersonic missile. So, too, the, the heavy battle tank has been obsoleted by drone warfare. And, you know, Shannon, it's it's a striking, you know, reality. Which is is not really commonly known because, you know, the common man knows only the common propaganda. They don't really have any of the knowledge of the, of the ages because the information that's taught in the, in the, you know, in the government schools across the world is really the, the information that the government wants their population to have. It's not necessarily the truth. That's why we're not taught anything about health or about food or about you know, the true knowledge of the past, the real history of the world. You know, the, these are all subjects of which we are woefully ignorant. But one little detail from the history of the world is that the, the end of the reign of an of existing hegemonic power, the reigning superpower of an era, when, when it was time for them to exit the stage and their empire was about to be destroyed and taken from them, that time period also witnessed the obsolescence of their major military platform. You know, for example, the British Empire ruled the world for the better part of two centuries. The flag never set on the British Empire, and the British Empire, its platform for war, was the British man of war, the battleship. And you know, going all the way back into the 18th century, you know, the British man of war were these massive wooden battleships with cannon, you know, three levels of cannon. And, you know, these were formidable warships that could destroy anything. And the British Empire ruled for, well, 250 years, approximately. But by World War I, the battleship had become obsolete. And they never built another one. And by World War II, the battleship was over. A new platform of military power had been created. The aircraft carrier and a, and a new world empire was on the scene. The United States of America, end time Babylon, had risen out of the ashes of World War II. The one nation that really wasn't destroyed by the war. You know, if you think about, I mean, Europe was obliterated. Japan was was pretty much devastated. China was starving. Russia, you know, the, the western part of Russia was, was destroyed. Population losses, the loss of industry, you know, Europe was pretty much homeless and all of their currencies worthless, had no means of production. And then there was one country, the United States, which for the most part wasn't even touched by the war with the exception of Pearl Harbor, of course. And, you know, coincidentally, Shannon, the U.S. government knew to move the carriers out out of Pearl all the carriers were out at sea, but the battleships, you know, the obsolete technology was left behind. You know, I mean, something had to be destroyed in, in the attack, right? You know, there's a reason the Bible calls our governments beasts, because that is exactly what they are, particularly when they've been conquered or compromised by Satan and corruption. So, anyway, Shannon, I got a megaton to get through. And, um,. Listen, I want to use you as a sounding board because I want to make sure the audience is understanding, okay? And we're going to touch on a number of things, some of which we've talked about in times past, but I'm going to tie it all together for you now, brother. And uh, if you're not following me, if I lose you, or, you know, if people, is there like a chat room that people can like chime in on? Sure. Um, yeah, if people are getting confused, let me know because I want to make sure that you understand exactly what I'm going to tell you now. Because you need to, this has to be absolutely crystal clear. You know how the Word of God said that the the book of Daniel and, would be sealed up until the end of the age? Only at the, right, at the time of the end, the words would be unsealed. And, um, yeah. Where did... That's in Daniel 12, verse 4. Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. The book would be sealed until the time of the end. Well, brothers and sisters, we are at the time of the end. I'm going to prove it to you today. The world's going to prove it to you tomorrow. And uh, I I think you're in for a big treat. So let's start with the centerpiece prophecy of Holy Scripture which is Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9, which is the prophecy of the 70 weeks, and we're going to be dealing with verse 24 through 27. We've talked about this before, but I'm going to show you an entire revelation or chapter, an entire dimension of this prophecy that has not heretofore been seen before. I'm going to open your eyes to something hidden in Scripture that is simply incredible. But first, we need to start in... Verse 2, Daniel writes, in the first year of the reign, of, this is Darius, the son of Ahazarius, the Mede, in the first year of the reign of Darius. Okay, now, Darius was a media Persian king. Some scholars say that's another name for Cyrus. It's, it was a title used for Cyrus. Others, well, maybe it's another king. Regardless, the point being, the Babylonian kingdom has been destroyed. God had judged Babylon, the royal family had been killed, the empire of Babylon was gone, Babylon was now a tribute city under the rule of the Medes and the Persians, and so Daniel still in slavery, if you will, in Babylon, and the reign of the new ruling empire had begun. In the first year of the reign of Darius, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And Daniel was praying about, God, when will you end the desolation of the people of Israel? The 70-year reign of Babylon had already expired. Babylon was already judged, and his had been destroyed as a ruling superpower. Yet there was also a 70-year period of judgment that had been decreed upon the people of God, and it was not yet over. Isn't that fascinating? We don't hear too much about the 70 years of the desolation of the church. You know, that same 70 years is referred to the very first chapter of Zechariah. I'll jump over there real quick. Zechariah 1, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which you've had indignation these 70 years? But the book of Zechariah begins in the eighth month of the second year of Darius. So we've got two full years following the fall of Babylon, and God had not yet restored the church. I mean, the people of Israel. But in today's world, it's the Gentile church that is desolate. And um, now some of you might not think the church is desolate. Some of you might think we've got your best life now. And that, you know, God's called you to be rich in the things of the flesh. I, had a, I heard a Christian recently testify God had healed them. So now they can eat an even bigger meal. Daniel set his face to seek the Lord with fasting sackcloth and ashes, and we have a church declaring now we can be bigger gluttons. Now, we are most certainly in a time of desolation, a time of a quenching of the Holy Spirit, a time of apostasy has come, a time where the hearts have grown cold, the love of many have grown cold, a time when many shall be offended, and, and all it takes is a word today. And it could be spoken harmlessly and people become offended and they, and they hate one another. Lifetime friendships terminate over nothing. And they hate one another and soon they'll be putting one another to death. So we're in a time of desolation in the church, but that time is about to end. The year of redemption is upon us and the day of indignation is in the heart of the mighty one who's about to come visit the earth. So the point I'm trying to make is there were two 70-year periods of judgment. One had been decreed upon Babylon. The other decreed as a judgment to purify the church or the people of Israel. And what happened to Israel is a type and a shadow of what's going to happen to the church, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I know some Gentile teachers teach you know, that all of the promises and blessings of God in the Bible pertain to the Gentile church under the new covenant. And all of the All of the hard prophecies. Well, that's for those Jews. Okay, well, there's so many errors in that eschatology, I don't even want to waste my time fixing it. Suffice it to say, Jesus Christ is the king of Israel, and Israel means those who are ruled by God. And in the kingdom of Israel, there are two groups of people, there are the people who are the natural born sons of Abraham who were chosen unto salvation. And then there are Gentiles who got grafted in. There's one kingdom. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. What happened to Israel is a type and a shadow of what's now going to happen to the church. And, and listen, we are facing some serious problems. And it's not going to be like before when we just watched on television these problems are coming to your town they're coming to your street and at some point they will come to your front door and i can prove to you the time is here and we're going to get into that now okay so it's 270 year periods and you know just as a refresher the 70 years of babylon's judgment was prophesied by jeremiah in chapter 25 verse 12 you guys write this down i'm not going to go there we don't have time because there's so much to cover but in Jeremiah twenty-five twelve, Jeremiah prophesied that after the 70 years of Babylon is completed, God says, I will judge that nation and, no, he says, I'll judge the king of Babylon and that nation for their sins against me. That was the royal family, Belshazzar, and the kingdom, the empire of Babylon, which was destroyed. Prophecy goes on, and says, and the land of the Chaldeans, which shall become a perpetual desolation. The Chaldeans are Satanists, they're the secret society guys that have crept in and took control of political Babylon and put one of their own into the throne and that's when Satan lifted ancient Babylon up as a world empire. The same thing happened in the United States. A bunch of Satanists, members of the secret societies came in and seized power in the late 1940s and by 1950 Babylon America had been fully conquered and so it began to be lifted up as a world empire. It built a world class military and and ruled the nations, and for seventy years, the nations of the world served Babylon. They, they, they built our cars. They, they, in their sweatshops, they made our shirts and our clothing. They, they manufactured our electronics. They, all of their resources were plundered for the, for the wealth of Babylon, and we bought all of their trinkets in our, in our big box retail stores, and in America's living standard, and prosperity was on the back of slave labor. Oh, You want to give reparations to slaves? We should make reparations to the slaves that have been serving us these last 70 years. But the 70 years ended in 2020. And uh, March 22nd was the third year of spring on the Chaldean calendar, and that's a satanic ritual day known as the Burning Man Ritual in which they have to sacrifice human flesh for the success of their endeavor for the coming year. And that was the day they locked down the world for the, for the pandemic that was unleashed. Coincidentally, the accidental release or what was the latest story? Did the bat fly in the bowl of soup? No, it was an accidental release of a bioweapon intentionally designed. It accidentally got released in 2019 precisely in time to stop the Hong Kong protests that were getting out of hand and to stop the hemorrhaging of cash that was occurring because so many Chinese nationals were were traveling the world and they all had to return home because of the lockdowns. And so it solved two major problems coincidentally for the Chinese government. And it was accidentally 666 years from the end of the Black Plague in 1353. There's a lot of accidental coincidences in Bible prophecy. And the pandemic going before the face of the Lord is in the book of Habakkuk. The fact that there would be global pestilence before there ever was a global war is part of the prophetic scheme. But we're focusing on the timing of these judgments. So let's look at the 70 weeks prophecy in verse 24. 77s. The word in Hebrew is not weak. That's the English translation. In Hebrew, it reads, Shevaim Sheva, 77s have been determined. God has ordained this. God has commanded this. It has been appointed unto the people of Israel that they would witness 77s. And also upon the holy city, there would be 77s to finish transgression, to make an end of sin to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecies. And then we're told regarding the city of Jerusalem, from the commandment to restore the city, until the Messiah comes, there would be seven sevens and 62 sevens. And after the 62 sevens, the Messiah would be killed, but he won't die for himself, he dies for his people. And then the people of the prince that shall come, that's the Romans, the Antichrist comes out of what was part of the Roman Empire. They will come to d- and destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end will be with a flood. Oh, and what the attack of Hamas was the Al-Aqsa flood. And all of the Palestinian protests all over the world. It's the Philadelphia flood. It's the New York flood. It's a flood that is coming. And the end of the age begins with a flood. Well, the flood is upon us. The swelling of the Jordan has begun. But here's the point I'm I'm trying to bring forth. Shannon, are you, are you aware, are you familiar, are you comfortable with the concept that prophecy repeats itself? Absolutely. and It's fulfilled at least twice. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. And why is that? Why, you know, why does God do that? Well, <laughs> because it's pretty amazing, first of all, but he, it's more than God just proving how awesome he is in ordering the events of human history, but God's word is subject to God's own word. And every word of truth will be confirmed by two or more witnesses. And so God's prophetic words are confirmed as true by their witness in the earth. They're witnessed by two or more witnesses. They're witnessed by their fulfillment two or more times. So here there are two prophecies that have been declared. Each of them involves 77s. One deals with the people of Israel, and the second deals with the holy city. Now, everybody's fo- been focused on the prophecy regarding Jerusalem and the commandment of Artaxerxes commissioning Nehemiah and Ezra in 444 BC. And 62 sevens is 434 years. But if we're going to use a Hebraic calendar, we got to add Jubilees, because that's how the Jews count. And every 49 years, we add a Jubilee, and it's not the beginning of the next cycle. It's a 50-year cycle, just like the day of Pentecost is the 50th day following the Feast of Weeks, which is the Feast of Seven Weeks, which represents the 49 years of a Jubilee cycle. So this entire prophecy is focused on Jubilees. And regarding the city of Jerusalem... Artaxerxes issued his command in 444, 62 sevens is 434, eight jubilees adds to 442, that puts the birth of Jesus Christ in the year 2 BC. Isaac Newton confirmed the accuracy of that conclusion in his book, Observations on the Prophecies of Daniel and the Revelation of St. John, published in 1796 in London, England. If you haven't read it, it's an excellent read, and it's available, you can get it today. In addition, at the end of the age, there would be another command to restore Jerusalem and another seven-week period or 49-year period would follow that command. And then a, another jubilee would be added to that time measure. And that would be the ninth jubilee. Eight were included in the 62 weeks. One is part of the seven weeks. But the prophecy of of seventy sevens, that's four hundred and ninety years regarding Jerusalem. There's a tenth jubilee, and it's nowhere to be seen. Where is it? It's a missing jubilee that pertains to the city of Jerusalem. Well. It also is the 70th Jubilee pertaining to the people of Israel, because the very first part of the prophecy, 77s, have been decreed upon the people of Israel. Well, in the case of the people of Israel, those sevens are Sabbath years. In the case of this prophecy regarding the timing of Jerusalem, they are individual years, separate years from the commandment to restore the city. But in the case of Israel, the number seven really represents the Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath. The seventh year is the Sabbath cycle. Seven Sabbath years brings us to a jubilee. So 70 jubilees have been determined upon the people of Israel. And that's astonishing. Nobody's ever seen this. At least I've never heard anybody talk about a dual prophecy inside the 70 weeks one pertaining to Jerusalem, in which there's a missing jubilee, and the other pertaining to the nation of Israel itself. And the 70th jubilee of the people of Israel is the 10th jubilee regarding the restoration of the holy city. They are one and the same. So let's talk about when the jubilee occurs. Well, you won't get an agreement from the experts on what year is the jubilee because the historical record is murky. Israel stopped counting the jubilees in their years of captivity, and they also didn't observe them in the diaspora, which has been roughly the last 2,000 years. So there's no absolute agreement on what year is a year of jubilee. But there is something that gives us a... We have two markers in time that I think can help us discern the answer for the proper year of the jubilee. The first marker is the birth and the ministry and the death and resurrection of our beloved Lord. And I would, I would propose the theory that the, the jubilee that occurred near the time of Jesus Christ on the earth, that a jubilee would either be related to his birth or the beginning of his ministry or the year of his death and resurrection considering that his life and the cross and his resurrection are the, they're the center points of eternity. God divided eternity into two pieces. There's eternity past, which goes back into the infinity of time before which there was no, not even a creation. And then there's the eternity future, which spans the the remaining time of human history and then goes into the eternal age and the, the mark, if you will, that God uses to divide those two measures of eternity is the life and the death of Jesus Christ. That cross is the midpoint of eternity. But is the cross the jubilee? Is the resurrection the jubilee year? But we have one more metric that we can look to because God always follows his own word. Right, Shannon? When the the Lord is going to do something, he does it according to his word. He keeps his word. He watches over his word to to complete it, to fulfill it, and bless the Lord that he's the one person. we, We can trust what he said. If the Lord said it, you can take it to the bank because it's always going to be true. So here's the second data point. My theory is that God would have restored Israel to their land during the year of Jubilee, right? I mean, the restoration of land, land being given back to the original tribes that owned it, that was one of the commandments of the Jubilee. So I would posit that the restoration of Israel was a Jubilee year. If that is the case, then we're looking at either 1948 or 1949 for the Jubilee, Now, 1948 was the year Israel declared statehood, that was May 14, and immediately a war was was initiated and all of the Arab countries attacked the brand new Jewish state. And Israel fought a war of independence for about 11 months. The war ended in March of 1949 with Israel victorious and a time of peace ensued. Now, if, if Newton is correct that the birth of Jesus Christ was in 2 B.C., then and then that was the year of Jubilee, that the Lord coming to us, the Redeemer coming to visit his people would occur in a year of Jubilee, then the year 49 would be the next 50-year period, right? Because you go from two, to four, 2 B.C. to 49 A.D. is 50 years because we – We don't add two to 49. You have to subtract one because there's no year zero. That would make 49 a a year of Jubilee. If 49 was a year of Jubilee, then 1949 was a year of Jubilee because they occur every 50 years. If 1949 was the year of Jubilee, then 1999 was also a Jubilee, which coincidentally was the year that I went on national tour proclaiming the day of the Lord is at hand to the nation and to the world. And so does that correlate with the Exodus, which is when the nation of Israel was born? Well, nobody's in agreement on exactly when the Exodus occurred. If you go study the historical record, you got people saying, oh, it was in 1446. And others saying, no, it was in 1466. And, you know, you're going back almost 3,500 years. The history is a little bit murky to get to an exact date. But if the Jubilee was given by God to Israel, To celebrate their deliverance. And under the law of the Jubilee, God commanded three things. The Jubilee was part of the Torah. Number one, all slaves would be set free. Every Jubilee, the slaves are freed. And the Lord told Israel, because you were slaves and I set you free, you will set your slaves free on the year of Jubilee. Second, all debt was canceled. God did an economic reset every 50 years. So Israel could not create perpetual indebtedness, which will result, ultimately results in total bankruptcy. You're going to see that pretty quick here in America. If you go into debt far enough, you go to, you become what's called bankrupt. That's a bad thing. Creates great hardship. God's system of resetting the economy every 50 years guaranteed there would be no perpetual indebtedness. So the nation could never go bankrupt. And then third, all foreclosed property, which had been foreclosed from failure to pay debts, also had to be restored to the original tribe. So the law of Jubilee did three things. Freed slaves, canceled debt, restored property. And so 1949, Israel got their land back. If we work backwards from 2 B.C., that would place the exodus in the year 1452 B.C. Jesus would have been born on the 29th Jubilee of Israel. The first Jubilee was given when Israel entered the land. You recall they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, trying to figure out whether or not they wanted to obey and trust the Lord, and whether or not they wanted to continue to, Complain about the menu God had provided, right? And and complaining about Moses taking too much authority upon himself. You know, let us not make these same mistakes. But after the 40 years in the wilderness had ended and most of that generation had died off, Israel entered the land. There was a seven-year period for the conquest of Canaan. And then God gave the Jubilee thereafter. And if... If the Jubilee came 50 years after the exodus and in 1452 was indeed the exodus, then, then the Jubilee would have been three years after the war to conquer Canaan had ended and God waited for a time of peace. That would place 1949 as a Jubilee. It would have been the 68th. 1999 would be the 69th jubilee of israel and so now what are we waiting for we're waiting for the 70th jubilee of the people of israel and we're waiting for the 10th jubilee regarding redemption of the city of jerusalem well the jubilee cycle is 40 pardon me 50 years if 1999 was the last jubilee we would have to wait until 2049 and by the way the jubilee will mark the visitation of the the lord the birth of the man child Well, that would mean we've got like 26 years, (laughs) 25 years. No, no, that can't be right. What's wrong with that calculus? Oh, it's very simple. The Jubilee under the Torah was given to Israel in the flesh, and it pertained to the relations among men in terms of legal, the legal relations as to matters in the flesh, slavery, Debt, who owes who, property ownership. These are all basically changes in the legal relations among men. There's no spiritual element to these jubilees. It's all in the natural. And you'll recall how Israel has two calendars. A spiritual calendar that begins in Nisan 1 in the spring. A secular calendar, a civil calendar, which begins with Rosh Hashanah in the fall. The secular calendar, the civil calendar, is really the calendar that governs civil relations of Israel. And so the jubilee is, the trumpet is blown on Yom Kippur. The scribes actually teach that the jubilee begins on Yom Kippur. And in the jubilee year, that is also Rosh Hashanah. That's kind of the way they organized it in their mind. But I'm here to tell you that that the 70th jubilee of Israel is a spiritual jubilee. And, you know, that's my discernment in prayer. The number seven represents perfection. The number 10, completion. And so the number 70 is God completing and perfecting his people. In order to do that, God's got to do something spiritually. If God's going to perfect a church that right now is walking in apostasy that's walking in bondage, that's walking in sin and compromise and is walking in denial to a great extent. People don't even see what they've done. They've trained their eyes to be closed. Their hearts have been hardened. Their eyes are closed. There's no one so blind as my servants, say the Lord in his scriptures. Now we have a spiritual jubilee coming. What do I mean by that? In a very real sense, this jubilee is a jubilee for God's benefit. This not, although the people, the remnant of God, are going to get tremendously blessed and restored in this 70th jubilee because they're the property that's going to be restored to the rightful owner, which is the Lord. They're the people whose debts to Satan and to sin will be permanently and forever canceled completely. And they're the people whose slavery to the flesh and to sin will be destroyed once and forever. In this 70th Jubilee, which is the final year of redemption, God is going to set a remnant of his people free totally. And that's the year of my redeemed. The scripture says, the day of vengeance is in my heart. And the year of my redeemed has come. The year of redemption is the jubilee year. And that year as a spiritual jubilee, I would say that that year begins in the spring of 2024 on April 9th to be specific. And as an interesting testimony in the star, Shannon, there's going to be an eclipse across the United States of America On April 8th, it will be the final X crossing the eclipse of 2017 that followed the sign of the birth of the man child. Now you're going to get the final part of the eclipse and the eclipse that just occurred on October 14th in which the sun turned dark at noonday over the city of Corpus Christi. And all of these eclipses followed a path on the ground that really pertain to the revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. And these eclipses cross over an area in our country where there's a huge memorial to the cross and to the resurrection of King Jesus. Hallelujah. But these three eclipses also mark the letter Aleph across the United States. And this final eclipse which will occur on April 8th. Here's what's happening in the stars. This is so awesome. The eclipse occurs in the constellation of the two fish, which represent the two houses of God. You know, Judah and Israel, if you want to think of it from an Israeli perspective, the Jew and the Gentile, if you want to see it from a new covenant perspective, and both of those fish have a chain tied around their tail fin, and they're tied to Leviathan, the beast, so the people of God are bound in chains to their sin, and I'm like, well, "What do you mean, Benjamin? We don't have any sin? <laughs> no, there's no slander in the house of God. No, you know, anyone who sees a brother in a fault, the spiritual among us, they go and restore such one, right? No, they, they, we bayonet our wounded." There's no gluttony in the house of God. There's no pornography in the house of God. There's no. Right. No, the, the synagogue is. The houses of God have been burned to the ground. The Satanists have come in among us. The pastors and the elders didn't have the discernment to close the door in their face, and the enemy has roared in the assembly. The false prophets are everywhere. Many false prophets shall come, said the Lord. So that's the terrible hour in which we live. You know, you, people that need deliverance, they can't go to church. Right, Shannon? You can you know, walk into a church and get deliverance today in America? Very few. Very few. There's a remnant. I'm, I'm speaking in general. But we're in a time of great confusion. I mean, we've got churches that, that are flying rainbow flags. We have churches that are putting pentagrams on the ceiling. Over the people, we have a time of horrible darkness has come, but a time of redemption is coming. This eclipse that is going to occur on April eighth occurs over the very chain that is binding the people to their sin. God's going to break the chains of sin, and He's got Mercury, the Word of God in conjunction with the moon and the sun and the eclipse. And Shannon, at the same time that God's breaking the chains of sin in the lives of his people, in the constellation of the water bearer, okay? Now, some of you guys may not know anything about the stars because the, the scripture says in Psalm 74, we no longer see our signs. Nobody took the time to study the biblical message of the stars, but the Lord made the stars for signs and seasons and to, to tell the earth what he's about to do. Well, it's in the stars, if you just look up. On April 8th, there's also a conjunction of the planets Saturn and Mars in the constellation of the Water Bearer. And Saturn and Mars, which are right next to each other in conjunction, they're being poured out on the Earth. Saturn represents Satan. Mars is war or great wrath. And so Satan is being cast down and he comes in great wrath because he knows his time is short the same time, God's breaking the bondage of sin in the remnant of his people. Satan's being cast down upon the earth. And at the exact same moment in the constellation of the great bull, Taurus, which represents the Tav, the Aleph Tav of Holy Scripture, which represents the cross, the completion of God's work. We've got the planet Uranus and Jupiter in conjunction. And, and the Tav, the bull, it's pictured as... In contemporary times, it represents the immutable will of God, the eternal sovereign will of Almighty God, and do not try to stop it. Do not try to stand in the way of the will of God. You will be trampled underfoot. You'd have no more success stopping the will of God than you would have stopping a 2,000-pound bull charging at you. You would literally be trampled into the mire. And the planet Uranus represents that which is hidden, The hidden secrets from eternity past that are now being revealed. The planet Jupiter is the king planet. The hidden secret mystery of the king of the universe is now going to be revealed upon the earth as God breaks the chains of sin over the lives of his people and casts Satan down upon the earth to bring the final deception upon the nations. And that's April 8th of next year in the stars. Hallelujah. We don't have to wait long, brothers and sisters. Our redemption, the year of my redeemed, is coming. And that door of redemption is open even now to those who will merely pay the price. So a 70th Jubilee, if we go back to 1452, and if the last Jubilee was 1999, Shannon, if the spiritual jubilee is juxtaposed to the f- secular or civil jubilee the same manner that the spiritual calendar is the opposite of the secular or civil calendar for Israel, they're exactly six months opposite, right? So two, the spiritual jubilee will be 25 years and not 50. So we had 25 years to 1999. Oh wait, that's 2024. Now, does the Jubilee start in Yom Kippur? Does the spiritual Jubilee start in Nisan? We're going to find out. <laughs> Yom Kippur is past, Nisan is before us. The time is moving so quickly, and the world is changing even as we are on this radio program together. Hallelujah. The day of the Lord is upon us. World War Three has begun. World War Three began in Ukraine in 2021. 2022. When did the Ukraine war begin? Yeah, it was 2022. Early 2022. And then the war expanded into the Middle East 18 months later. In the last, what, three weeks? How long's it been? Four weeks? No, a little over three weeks. The whole world is on the verge of world war in three weeks' time. And so here we are. Well, what other evidences do we have that the, the lateness of the hour indeed has come upon us? Um, let's talk about the parable of the fig tree. But first, Shannon, let me, I'm open to any questions. Is there any part of that that's not clear?
1: I tell you, this is a great presentation. If you're just joining us, we are live here, Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, with Benjamin Baruch, and uh, keep on going, my friend.
2: All righty. Well, next, I want to talk about the parable of the fig tree. Hallelujah. You guys all know the parable of the fig tree. It's the most important parable in, in Holy Scripture. It's the only parable that Jesus commanded that we go and study. The forty parables recorded in the Bible, there was only one that was given as homework to the church. But um, (laughs) I suspect most of us didn't do the homework. You know, we have we're we're a lot like um, kids, children, even. You know, where their their parent will tell them, you know, go and do this. Yeah, mom. Sure Okay dad Yeah D- Did you remember to do it Oh yeah I remember Yeah. <laughs> Later that day Did you do it Uh No Right Did we study the parable Not really Not too many people did So let's look at the parable of the fig tree Hallelujah Let me open Uh, I got some notes on this Let me just open a file here If I can get to Uh Parable of the fig tree. I want to make sure I cover this completely. Now go and learn the parable of a fig tree. When the branch is yet tender and puts forth its leaves, you'll know summer is nigh. Likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. Now, what things? Well, The parable is in Matthew 24, verse 32. Jesus is referring to the Olivet Discourse when he explained the signs at the end of the age. When the disciples asked him, Lord, you know, tell us the signs of your coming. And Jesus answered and said, take heed, no man deceive you. Because the end of the age would be a time of unprecedented deception. So it has been, and so it is a time of unprecedented deception. And, you know, this deception is, it's everywhere. You know, trust not the arm of the flesh, place no confidence in princes, trust the Lord. But in this time of unprecedented deception, we're told that a fig tree would be the, the litmus test for the certainty of the events of the end of the age and for the time period, which would be approximately the life of a generation in which all would come to pass. Well, the first question is, what's the fig tree? If there's this fig tree parable at the end of the age, when you're going to see, once you see the leaves of this fig tree come forth, you can know for certain that Jesus is standing at the door. We are at the end of the age. You're in the last days. And the generation that saw that sign will not pass away until everything is fulfilled. The only question, well, there's, there's two questions. What's the fig tree? And how long is the life expectancy of the final generation, right? What do you say, Shannon? What, what would you guess the fig tree to be? Israel? Is that a good guess? Sure. Is the rebirth of Israel the fig tree? It was Israel the fig tree that Jesus came three years in a row? He came to his own people looking for the fruit of God. And he found nothing. He found a barren tree with dead branches. so Israel was destroyed. And they wandered the nations for almost two thousand years, and, and ultimately they were the final persecution of, of the the Shoah, the Holocaust came upon them and, and out of the out of the ovens of the of the Nazi concentration camps, the dead bones were piled high. And that's when the prophecy of the restoration of a nation that had long been dead was fulfilled, and Israel became a state again, right? May 14, 1948, Israel declares statehood. March 1949, the War of Independence is over. The nation of Israel rises and finally recognized among all the nations. So the fig tree is the state of Israel. And when did the leaves come forth? Either 48 or 49, right? Right. I, I used to think, you know, when I first started studying this, this was back in, like, 1996, I thought, well, maybe it was when General Allenby conquered Jerusalem on, you know, the, the day spoken of in Hosea, the 24th day of the ninth month, where they took Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire and, the, you know, the very early Jewish immigration, the first Aliyah, which began in 1880, you know, was, was underway. And, you know, the the return of the people of Israel back to their land began in earnest. But obviously it wasn't 1917 because the generation is, that generation has died. So that we're left with 1948, 1949. So then the next question is, well, how long is the generation? That's what everybody's grappling with. Now, before we answer that question, I want to give you guys some background information. Some of you might be aware that in Psalm 49, King David wrote a prophecy in which he reveals that a parable will be unveiled within the book of Psalms. And, And here's what he said this is Psalm 49, verses 3 to 5. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying, and the word for dark saying is mashal, and it literally means that which is has to be discerned through wisdom. I'll open this parable upon my harp. Why should I fear the days of evil? Well, the parable has something to do with the days of evil. When the iniquity of my own heels shall compass me about, Uh, stop and think for a moment about that verse. When the iniquity of your heels. Will now surround your life. This is the time of God's judgment. The days of evil have come. The days of recompense will come, and that's what this parable is regarding. So, you know which which Psalm gives us insight into the parable of the fig tree. I don't know. I don't know. Well. You know, a lot of us look to Psalm 90, the only Psalm written by Moses, in which he talks about the return of the Lord. And he says, Lord, you know, give us wisdom to apply our hearts to knowledge. And, you know, show us, Lord, how long until you return. For the generation of our years is 70. And if by reason of strength, they should be 80 years. And then, after the 80 years, we're soon cut off and we fly away. So the, the only reference that I thought we had in the scriptures for many, many years was Psalm 90. And we were looking at 70 or 80 years. Well, if if 80 years is the metric, and we go from 1948, then that would be 2028. And if World War three takes place seven years prior, we know they burned the weapons for seven years in Ezekiel 39, then the World War would have to start in 21. Well there was an attack on humanity in 2021. There's no question the beast the the lion has emerged from the thicket and the destroyer of the gentiles is on his way and he began his attack on humanity really in 2020 with the you know the bat flying into the bowl of soup. And then in 2021 a more direct attack was mandated upon the population. you know and we, and we know from the from the all cause mortality data that the The weapons that were used are highly effective because death has come to the planet. The young and the innocent are dying. Sudden death syndrome now affects adults. It used to be only the, the babies that had sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah. Gee, I wonder what's killing all the babies. Yeah, we won't go in there. Go do the homework yourself. It's not, people don't just randomly die. Something has to kill them. God's made us quite resilient. It's difficult to kill a human being. But death has now come into our doors. But we didn't see the world war in 21. So 2028 can't be right. And so, you know, what does that mean? Well, Shannon, in the very first part of this year, in the very beginning of 2023, I I was reflecting on this prophecy, the parable, and I thought, wait a minute. This is so simple. How could we all miss this? Jesus said the generation that sees these things will not pass away until all of the prophecies are fulfilled. Well, which generation is that? Uh, the one that's alive today? The one that's watching today? And the one that was alive in 1948, maybe, or... if I suppose we could use 1949. You know, I mean, we we see darkly into these prophecies. We don't always see with total specificity. But 48 to 49 is our is a clearly where our fig tree came alive again. And so, I thought, well, what's the life expectancy of the people of Israel today? Uh, 82.7 years. Wow, it's a little over 80, isn't it? If I add 82.7 years to May of 1948, where do we land? January of 2031. Well, we know the Lord comes back in the fall holy days. If the generation that was alive in May of 1948 is still going to be alive statistically in the fall of 2030, and they will statistically, 50% or more of them will be alive for a second coming in the fall of 2030, that would put World War Three in. Twenty twenty three. Oh, wow, that's a year close to you. <laughs> that would mean the end of the ages in 2030. Now, I know, you know some of you are going to scream. No one knows the day or the hour. Uh, you know what? Why don't you sharpen your pencil? Jesus said exactly what he meant and he meant exactly what he said. I'm not telling you the day or the hour. Listen, when we see the abomination of desolation, and we know from the scriptures, when you see the abomination of desolation, you can know and understand there's 1260 days, 1290 days. We know he comes in the fall during the high holy days. Once we've gone into the five months of darkness, we can start. Well, we know it's probably this September, October. Once we see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens, we'll know he is on his way. But I still can't tell you the day or the hour. It's probably going to be during tabernacles. I don't know. Maybe it's the final Yom Kippur. We'll find out, won't we? But just because we don't know the precise day or the hour, the Lord said, go and learn the meaning of this. He wanted this parable to speak revelation to us. So was 82.7 years. Is that the answer to the parable? Well, Psalm 49 tells us that David is going to reveal a dark saying. He's going to confirm the meaning of a parable somewhere in the Psalms. Well, what parable? Well, the most important parable, maybe. Uh, pretty good guess, right? I mean, belongs on the list. Okay. Would Might that be the parable of the fig tree? Yeah, maybe it does, right? Okay, well, um, where would we get 82.7 years confirmed in the Psalms, Shannon? What do you think? Any idea what psalm might confirm the year 82.7? Psalm 82? Maybe verse 7? Should we read it? That was just a guess. (laughs) I about fell off my chair when I read this. I'm going to read you. Let me get over to Psalm 82, because it's a very short psalm. I'm going to read you guys the whole thing. There's only eight verses. It, It regards... It addresses God's judgment of the world at the end of the age. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. That's the Gebarim. That's the 144,000. The Lord's going to stand with them when he gathers them in heaven. The man-child is caught up to the throne of heaven. And 12,000 Israeli warriors from each of the 12 tribes. Two legions from each tribe. 24 legions of Anointed warriors will stand before the Lord God Almighty before they are sent back into the earth. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Boy, isn't that today's world? The persons of the wicked, I mean, they're on TV every day. They're the public leaders. They're the spokesmen. They're presidents, vice presidents all over the world. How long will you accept these people who are wicked? Defend the poor and the fatherless. That's a good thing to do. Do justice to those who are afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not. Neither will they understand. This is the wicked. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Is that not today? The foundations of our world are out of course you know, a, a recent Supreme Court justice is is nominated in in, in the confirmation hearing, uh, ma'am? Could you tell us the the meaning of the word woman? Uh, um, no, I'm I'm not capable of discerning what is a woman. I'm not a biologist. Are you kidding me? I could have answered that question like I don't know in third grade, second grade. The foundation is out of course. Truth is no longer in the minds of this people. The lie has become the truth. Evil has become the good. And the time of judgment has come upon us. Verse 6, I have said, you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. And we were created in the image of God. And so in a sense, we have the creative power similar to the power that God has. He's, He's created us as in the image of his son, Jesus. You are gods and your children the most high. Verse 7, but you shall all die like men and fall like the princes. How do men die? Based on their life expectancy, right? Isn't that how the average man dies? Uh, yeah. Men die based on life expectancy. Psalm 82, verse 7, confirms the 82.7 year life expectancy of the final generation of Israel. And it confirms the parable of the fig tree points to the return of Jesus in either 2030 or 2031, which means World War III is going to go down in the next three weeks or before the end of, before Christmas, if it's this year or by next fall, if it's next year listen World War three can go down in an hour when the final decisions are made it'll take less than an hour in one hour all this wealth will burn so here we are and um, it's incredible the scriptures are literally pointing to 2030 oh you know the year 2030 it's kind of an interesting interesting number isn't it two zero three zero is Shannon is 2030 kind of a form of 23 numerologically? Hmm. A 2 and a 3. <laughs> Wait, that's we're in the year 23. <laughs> what is what's the number 23 represent anyway? You guys y'all know what the number 23 is all about? The number of death. Go read every 23rd chapter in the Bible. Every one of them deals with death. Psalm 23, i walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have time to go into it, but you can just go flip the book. Chapter 23 always deals with death. And why is that? 23,000 died in the wilderness. When Israel sinned, Moses came down. 23,000 is the number of death. And so here we are in the year of death. And when is Thanksgiving this year? The 23rd. Well, what a winky dinky coincidence. 11 is the number of doubles. 11, 23, 23. You guys remember the very first Thanksgiving? You know, not the, not the very first celebration, which... Pilgrims that landed on Plymouth Rock who had made a covenant with the Lord. 110 souls set sail on that Mayflower. By the following, they landed on November 10th on the icy shores of Massachusetts at Plymouth Rock. Winter had come early. It was a brutal cold winter. The ship was supposed to drop them and set anchor, drop them and their provisions, and then was going to return to England. They begged the the ship owners to stay through the winter because there was no lodging. So everybody lived on the ships. And uh, of the 110 souls that made the original journey, there were less than 50 that survived that winter the cold and the sickness, hunger and disease. But they survived and they made it ashore. And the Indian tribes that had inhabited that area. They didn't plan to show up in Massachusetts. They were shooting for Virginia. They got blown off course. They ended up far north in far more harsh winter conditions. And the Indian tribes that had previously inhabited that area were probably the most violent, bloodthirsty savages. And I mean, these were like blood sacrifice, eat your heart kind of Indians. I mean, these these were devil-worshipping savages. They had been eradicated by a smallpox epidemic that had made its way north from the early settlers who showed up in Virginia. And so the Indian tribes that would have clearly killed all of the settlers, they were all gone. The Lord removed them, and by the spring, they were able to disembark, and and the local Indians actually were favorable. They had favor with the, the local Indians that had now occupied those hunting grounds. The first harvest was bountiful. They gathered and gave thanks. But it wasn't until the summer of 1623, which was really their third year, that a severe drought and a a terrible heat wave hit in the summer, and it threatened all of the crops. And they were looking at starvation. If the crops failed, the people would be starving. And so the governor of the colony or of the settlement, declared a time of prayer and fasting. And so the surviving pilgrims fasted and prayed. And the Lord heard. And he sent the rains. And he sent a lot of rain. Just the right amount at just the right time. And God blessed. And that harvest exploded. And it was, it was bountiful beyond their expectations. They went from fear of famine and starvation to to plenty and so the governor declared an official day of thanksgiving and and the day that they celebrated was november 29th 1623 president lincoln later changed thanksgiving to an official national holiday on the fourth thursday of november in the, in like the 16 or 1860 window of time Had the fourth Thursday been Thanksgiving in 1623, it would have fallen on the 23rd. 11 23 would have been the first Thanksgiving for America. And God blessed the pilgrims. God blessed the early settlers. These were people that believed they were coming to build the new Jerusalem. They were leaving the apostate church behind. They were going to build the new tabernacle with their lives living stones. These people loved and feared God and the Lord blessed them and he blessed the generations that followed. And Shannon, check this out. It's been 400 years since 1623. Since the early Americans fasted and prayed during the summer, for God's mercy. Has any leader in America called for fasting and prayer in modern history? No. No. And what did God do since 1623 in America? You know, big picture. He blessed us with prosperity. But I would suggest to you that He also tested us with prosperity. He tested the early pilgrims with with heat and with drought. And how did they respond? Fasting and prayer. And heaven was moved. And their harvest was blessed. And they had the first official day of Thanksgiving in which they wept before God and thanked him for the abundant harvest, which meant they would not starve that winter. And so God blessed America. And 40 is the number of years of testing, right? 40 years in the wilderness. God tested the people for 40 years. Hallelujah. So God tested America for 40 years. And just, you guys, just go do the math. You know, start with 1623, right? Add 40 years. 1663. And just, you know, roll it on out, right? 1983 was the beginning of the final 40-year test. Remember what happened in 1983? Morning came to America, right? Ronald Reagan had been elected president. The severe, the economic Inflation, which was a time of devastation for the blue collar workers across America in the 1970s, was followed by two severe recessions 80, 1980 and then the 81 82 recession. America was hurting. America was lost. It had lost its way. And then in 1983, God began to bless America again. And a time of prosperity began. The stock market took off. And America went through 40 years of prosperity. This entire time, for 10 cycles, 40 years each, God has blessed America with freedom. He's blessed America with an unprecedented access to the word of God. He's blessed America with the, with the blessings of the new covenant. He has protected America from foreign enemies. We really haven't seen wars on our own soil, other than the Revolutionary War and War of eighteen twelve was a limited engagement but for them and, and the Civil War I guess would have been also a time of of testing on our soil. You know, which, by the way, eighteen sixty-three was right smack in the middle of the Civil War. Another time of testing. But the point I'm trying to make is America's time of testing. It's ended. Ten is completion. Forty is testing. 400 years is being completed in three weeks. Four weeks from now. And in this last 40 years, and really throughout much of the history of our country, God tested us with prosperity. He tested us with wealth. We are the wealthiest people to ever live on the planet. In 1623, they didn't have a Walmart. If, you, if your garden didn't come in, you didn't eat that winter. And, you know, those of you who've, who live in rural America and that, that you know, have your own farm, that, that try to harvest your own fruit trees, that try to plant your own garden, you do all the work to break up the fallow soil. You plant the seeds, you water it, you pull the weeds. And in the fall, you have to harvest the crops. You've got to, you've got to can and freeze dry the food. You've got to harvest the 5,000 apples that show up. Let me tell you something. It's hard work. It is not like going to Walmart and filling a bag of apples, which is what most Americans do. Most Americans have no idea the hardship and the hard work that was required of the early generations in our country. Because life on the farm and life in rural America is a hard life. Keeps you in shape. Hallelujah. But it's not like city life. And I know because I moved to rural America from the city almost 20 years ago. But I can tell you the time of testing is ending. And and how did we do, Shannon? How did America do with 400 years of God's blessing and prosperity? Where did we end up?
1: Sexual confusion. The order of the day.
2: The murder of babies.
1: Yes. Sodomy.
2: Immorality. Lying. Stealing. Stealing. All manner of evil, men calling it good. So let's look at a few other prophecies here. Shatter, I need to put you on hold for just one sec.
1: Folks, if you're just joining us, we are live with Benjamin Baruch. This is a live program again. Today is uh, Tuesday, November 1st, 2023.
2: Yes, sir. 2023. So that the number 2030, you know, that that number really kind of fits a lot of prophetic pictures. You know, for example, in the book of Hosea, chapter 6, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has smitten us, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live again in his sight. You know, in Hosea 6, or in 2 Peter, rather, we're told, beloved, be not ing- ignorant of this. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is but one day. So in Hosea, we were told that the Lord had torn and had smitten us, but he will bind us and he will, he will raise us up. Now, we know the dead in Christ rise first, right? At the last trumpet. And, you know, I understand that when you die, you're immediately in the presence of the Lord because you leave the created realm and the theory of relativity and the the relativity of time, which actually, to tell you the truth, under the relativity theory, at the speed of light, there is no time. So everything happening within the created realm is all simultaneous. And you're just inside the movie, okay? It's like a DVD God has on the shelf of his library, and you're inside that, your little life here, this little blink of time, it's all inside a little movie that we call the created world. But in reality, it's all happening simultaneously. It's an instant in time. Our God's really powerful, and he can do amazing things, including create an entire created realm within a moment in time. So when when the dead in Christ die... They're present with the Lord. But in terms of inside the creation movie, the dead in Christ rise at the last trumpet. When is that? The last day. And, and when is that? Well, that's two days after the Lord was raised from the dead in the year 30, right? Jesus died and rose again in the year 30 A.D. Well, 2,000 years from 30 A.D. would be 2030. Well, that's an interesting number, isn't it? There's that 23 again. Sure is. Sure is. Let
1: me ask. Well, you here's something.
2: another just kind of interesting footnote. Y- y'all may remember when ancient Babylon fell in 539 BC to the armies of Cyrus, who, by the way, his name is really Kairos in Hebrew. And, you know, if you want, I can come back and do an entire study on the prophetic meaning of Kairos. And his name means the one who was burned in the fire. This King Cyrus that's coming. He's not been here yet. And this is the government of God that's going to come during the great tribulation. You know, I know the devil created his own version of the Bible prophecy in which, you know, the devil rules the world for the last seven years and blah, blah, blah. And only on the very last day is he defeated. Let me tell you, this guy's a liar from the beginning to the end. The judgment of almighty God is the day of the Lord, and he owns every day of it. The devil will not be glorified. The devil is terrified. He knows his time is short. Yes, he will cast the final deception upon the wicked. Yes, the Antichrist is going to rule the satanic kingdom. But the Lord is going to rule the earth. And there's a new governor coming who will be the head. He will be like King David to the remnant. He'll be the leader of essentially... God's remnant people, even as Moses was a leader over the first exodus, so there will be another governor coming, and he will be as Cyrus. Cyrus did two things in ancient, in ancient history. He destroyed Babylon. He didn't make Babylon great again. He brought it down. It was gone when he was finished. And he delivered the people of God. He freed the slaves. He, he opened the door for the return of the people of God back to the Lord and back to the land. So, too, the coming Cyrus is going to be used by God in the judgment of Babylon. And he, too, will be used to deliver the people of God, both to the, back to the Lord and back to the land of Israel, where the remnant will wait in the wilderness of Zion for the completion of all these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, 2030. Interesting. Cyrus destroyed Babylon. In 539 B.C., in October, by the way. Actually, it was the 12th of October in 539, in the early morning in Babylon, which was located approximately where Iraq is today. And if you went at that exact time back across the time zones to the land of North America, which was for the most part an uninhabited wilderness with a few nomadic tribes, Native American tribes, but it was mostly empty, 539 B.C., It would have been October 11, 1011. Columbus wouldn't discover the new world until 1492, when he sailed the ocean blue. Well, if you add those dates together, 539 BC, 1492 AD, the year of our Lord, you subtract one for the year zero that we never count, Shannon, it it adds up to 2030.
1: Let me ask you something. I've heard talk, Benjamin, uh, about this COP28 meeting that's coming up uh, November 30th through, like, middle of December. And some are saying that this could be where a seven-year agreement, when many is signed, that would take us from 2023 up to uh, 2030. What do you think about that? Yeah, well... Absolutely,
2: and if World War III takes place by you know before November 30th, which it very clearly could, I, I will not be surprised if we have a nuclear war either before or on Thanksgiving. But yes, but to, to be a little more precise, Shannon, the Scripture says that the Antichrist and and his ministers, who are these global leaders at this point, they will confirm the Covenant of Death, which is the Oslo Accord. So, you know, yeah, they may sign a new document, but what they're really going to do is enforce the Oslo Peace Treaty with its concept of a two-state solution, division of the land of Israel, division of the city of Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was not included in the Oslo Accord because there was no way to get an agreement on Jerusalem at the time Rabin and Arafat signed their document on the White House lawn in September 13th of 1993. By the way, that was 30 years ago and And 30 is the number of maturity. And and so has the covenant of death matured? Uh, Yeah. Has it brought death to the earth? Well, certainly it's brought death to Gaza and to Israel at this point. And yes, the covenant of death is about to mature and explode worldwide for the fraud that it was. And yes, there's going to be the, the nations under the direction of the Antichrist will confirm the principles of the Oslo Accord, which the scripture refers to as the covenant of death in Isaiah 28. And yeah, they may sign some new documents, essentially. But it, in essence, in substance, it will be confirming the original satanic treaty of Israel giving up land in exchange for the promise of peace. But the scripture says the Lord declares the land is mine. Israel doesn't own the land of Israel. Israel is allowed to live there at the privilege of the Lord, you know, based on the favor of God. And the Lord said, you shall not sell or give away my land. So, you know, any covenant that presupposes that the that the apostate government of Israel can agree to give away the land of Israel to the enemies of God. Well, the, the rabbis themselves declared the Oslo peace accord and violation of the Torah and illegal under the word of God. So, well, now we're seeing how it's worked out. I mean, inside Israel, you know, there was a, I'd say half the population, maybe more slightly is, you know, very, very liberal. And they wanted to believe in peace for, um, you know, they could achieve peace. If they just made enough concessions, the Arabs would agree to peace. Well, the concept of uh, a peace movement is now dead.
1: Well, I remember... The the liberals have been silenced. I remember, as you probably do, out there tuning in. um, Watching TV, Benjamin, in 2005 or so, where America and the UN put pressure on Israel to withdraw from Gaza. And people were having their homes bulldozed. Now, Gaza was given to Israel as part of their inheritance, correct? And so, they had to leave there. PLO took over. Hamas came in about two to three years later, and they've been firing at Israel ever since, and look at where we are today. Um, Lebanon, same story, right? All this land that God gave Israel as an inheritance, you know, the enemy has moved in and is attacking Israel from, you know, their, their promised land. Uh, let me ask you this. I'm looking at the news. And uh, you can't negotiate with terrorists. If you try to make a deal, they're just going to terrorize you later. Hamas must be killed to the last man. Unless, of course, they want to surrender, lay down arms, give up the hostages, and uh, come forward to be arrested, which they're not going to do. We (laughs) know that. Not going to happen. No. And uh, we know that these militants over there, uh, reports are they're even blocking many who want to get out of there from leaving. Uh, Of course, they've built their network under hospitals and schools. All this money that's been sent over the years over there. Even piping for water systems. They've been turning into rocket and weaponry. Uh, Israel um, must take the land. But it's going to be a difficult job when Hamas is using these people as shields. Now, At the end of the day, um, they're small in comparison to what you mentioned at the beginning of this program, Hezbollah. Now, help me out with this. Hezbollah are um, funded by Iran. They're a militant group, and they're operating right there uh, next door in Lebanon. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, Hezbollah is in southern Lebanon, Hamas in Gaza.
1: Iran is really funding both. And then, what was it? Was it Yemen uh, that was firing missiles? Also, some of them got intercepted. They just
2: declared yes. The, the one of the factions in Lebanon or in Yemen just declared war on Israel yesterday. Yep. And
1: I mean, I, let me break this down to the bottom line. Where do you think it's going to go from here? That's my question. How, how it, would a uh,
2: nuclear see it? war? We will see nuclear weapons detonated probably in the next. I don't know. I mean, the timing is difficult. It could come as fast as three weeks from now. It might, you know, if, if the war is going to going spill over and, and won't be completed until 2024, maybe the, maybe the nukes don't get ruled out right away. But, you know, bottom line, Israel is outnumbered 700 to 1 in terms of population. Yes. If you take the Arab countries versus the Jewish state, they've got several million Arabs within Israel, many of which will will, you know, oppose and fight against the state of Israel. The U.S., which has been the main ally, and NATO, we're running out of ammunition. We don't have the ability to fight a long, protracted war. China and North Korea are are producing the weapons and the ammunition for the Russian campaign in Ukraine. The communists have geared up for this thing. They knew this was coming. So we're going to be outgunned. We're outnumbered. Israel, at some point, will have to use... The atomic bombs that they possess.
1: Now, who would they send them to? And they after? have,
2: you know, we don't really know, but estimates are at least 400. Yes. You know, and they can solve the problem with Hezbollah by just destroying southern Lebanon. Yep. They could solve the problem with Yemen by eliminating Yemen. They could solve Gaza by eliminating Gaza. Unfortunately, they're going to also destroy their standing in world public opinion. All the nations will come against Israel.
1: Now, what about Damascus being turned into a ruinous heap? Yeah, exactly. That, no doubt that'll be a single bomb. Could we see Syria um, ramp up and join the attack against Israel very soon? Could that be a possible next move?
2: The Israelis have been bombing Syrian airports. Uh, U.S. military bases that are inside Syria without the permission of the Syrian government okay. have been coming under constant missile fire. They're there to basically oversee the oil that we're taking from the Syrian oil fields. Right. I don't think we have their permission, but we're certainly taking their oil. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is World War Three, Shannon. This is Ezekiel thirty-eight. You're looking at the early chapter of Ezekiel thirty-eight. The only question is, how fast does this turn into World War Three, which is the annihilation? Now I've got a question. The annihilation. For you. What is, is one- about to happen? Two billion people will be dead before this war is over. But let's let me get back on track with why we why we can see this is really
1: now. Unless you got further questions. Is yes, I, I have one more, and then I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, you're a mathematician. What's 1% of 6 million? 60,000. Uh, 60,000. 60, 60, okay, my math's correct. We have at least that many people who've come in illegally under Biden. And um, how many do you need to have a fifth column network to attack from within? If 1% of those 6 million are. Foreign troops, special forces, an advanced force that have infiltrated our country. Not to mention, I heard a report from, I think it was Levine, who was doing one of the shows for Fox. And he said, hey, we've had Hamas Network in here building for 20 years. Why isn't anybody talking about Hamas in America now? So what if we had 1% of the illegals coming in that are actually an advanced army, 60,000 in our borders... They're released. They don't have a court date for ten years. Who knows where they're at right now? Um, could we see a parallel strike on America as the enemies of Israel are getting ready to uh, attack Israel?
2: Absolutely, it's part of their plan. And yeah, the fact that we never closed the southern border—I mean, l- look what happened to Israel when their enemies were able to cross the 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 line into Israeli territory. What did they do? And they slaughtered the civilians. They, they did unspeakable quick. things. I don't even want to talk about the horror that, that these monsters created. But, but yes, Shannon, I would say 60,000 is a low estimate. I mean, look, we know that all the nations of the world will come against, you know, all of the communist terrorist nations of the world will come against America Babylon. Many kings in many nations Against you, O daughter of Babylon, they raise a cry against you. They, they, they. I will send them. They will come among you like caterpillars. They just walked right in. How many caterpillars have walked into our garden? Sixty thousand is probably a low number. And yes, they're going to be heavily armed. They'll be trained, special forces, regular forces. But they're going to be. They're going to create quite a quite a mess here.
0: Did you? And see what are we the- going to
2: do about it? Right. And our own government wants to take away our means of self-defense, so that we just get completely slaughtered. Hopefully, the war will come fast enough that they don't have that ability. Um, That's right. Yes. Did you see? This the is it, Janet. We're here. Everything that Groover saw, everything D- Dudeman saw, it's all coming to pass right before our eyes because we're in the window of time for the end of the age. It's declared in the stars. It's declared by the events in the earth. It's declared by the the 70th Jubilee correlating with the prophecy regarding the seven weeks. And, you know, I didn't really go into the seven weeks of Daniel nine, you know, that was a 49 year plus a Jubilee, a 50 year period of time. Well, when was the command to restore Jerusalem in the modern era issued? The only record I could find is the Knesset creating the Holy city reconstruction fund in 1969. And, you know, maybe if you want to count full biblical years, you would end up in 2020, which was the 70th year of America Babylon before America came under judgment. And America is under judgment today and, and, and will be destroyed shortly into the future. But if, if the seven weeks pretends the birth of the man-child, where's the man-child? Seven weeks have been fulfilled. Why is the man-child not born among us? Because the visitation of God awaits the final jubilee. The man-child is born in the year of redemption, which is also the year in which the day of indignation has come, in which God unleashes a judgment such as never been seen. And in one hour, the whole world will be destroyed. The current world system will be destroyed. And the black horse will follow time of deprivation, Famine, disease, and death. You know, and all the people whose immune systems have been compromised because of all of the warfare thus far, they won't even be burying the dead in most of the cities. But let's talk about another dimension of this attack on us. We talked. Let, let me just show you, I want to reveal a few things that, that most Christians don't really understand. know. Yeah. Don't ask me how I know these things. I just seem to know things. I just see them. They they become clear to me. And um, I want to talk about the timing of World War III, but I also want to talk about the, the strategy of the enemy to rebuild their one world government, which they describe as the Temple of Solomon. The men who control the world's secret societies. And I'm talking about the, the you know, the ruling elite within the Illuminati, the ruling satanic families. They leave symbolic clues at the scene of their crimes, which reveal the presence of the dark arts of sorcery and mystic alchemy. These clues are hidden in plain sight in many of the world's most important events. These symbols are also used as numerological keys to unlock pathways to another realm, In order to ensure the success of their endeavors, they're employed by the secret societies of the world whenever they attempt to release the dark powers that are above in the satanic ritual below. And this is a quote from the Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. Masonic betrayal of the common man, which is what we're watching, involves the archetypes of fertility and death symbolism that are motivated and combined to bring about a syncretism in opposing principles of life and death in order to green Israel, to rebuild the, S- the Temple of Solomon, and to establish a one-world government. It is certain that numerology and onomatology, or the science of names, forms a very integral part of the mystery school of higher masonry. These clues surround the events of 9-11. And they also reveal the timing of the planned dawn of the new world order. The symbolism is based upon the hidden meaning of the mystic number 11. In 11, 23, 23, the mystic number 11 is the number of doubles. As above, so below. 23 is death. As above, so below. Death will come to the earth. The symbolism is based on these numbers being repeated. 1123, 1623, 1123, 2023. 20, when the number 11 is repeated three times, you get the number 33. That's the key to the capstone of their great work. 33rd degree represents the highest level of the Masonic order. The occult symbolism. Of the number 33 was used to pick the date and the timing for the end of World War I, which was November 11th at precisely 11 a.m. 11, 11, 11. And the insane part of that is that British officers ordered their troops to attack the German lines at 8 a.m. that morning. They sent men into machine gun fire, knowing the war would stop three hours later. The final satanic sacrifice. World War I was the first of the three world wars which Albert Pike, writing in his book on Freemasonry, revealed had been planned by the New World Order to create a one world government under the rule of Satan. That's the reason nobody in the West is talking peace. Nobody in the West has talked about peace in Ukraine, have they? And they're not going to discuss peace in the Middle East either. They're going to push the world into World War Three. These three 11s revealed in the end of World War I, 11, 11 at 11 a.m., are a clue that there's a deeper meaning behind these events of history. The numerology of all three world wars are actually linked together. And over the last 33 years, the satanic shadow government has been working to complete a 33-year ritual. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details on why 1950 marked the beginning of the rule of the Chaldean satanic state over the United States of America and why we became Mystery Babylon that year. The reign of the Chaldean kings had begun with the signing of the NATO treaty in 49. You can go on my website, BenjaminBruke.net, go look at the American Babylon tab and it'll walk you through all of the details. But in 1990, it was the 40th year of their rule. 40 is the time of testing. And so now the time to to move the world to a one-world government had begun. And this final satanic ritual involved three separate rituals each of 11 years in duration. And the numbers 11 in three separate rituals represent the numbers 11, 22, and 33. Those are the the pillars of the temple of Apollyon, who is Satan, which represents the one world government. And they also represent the steps. The number 11 is revealing what is hidden in the darkness. That's the meaning of the number. 22 is the beginning of the action, and 33 is the crowning of the capstone, the taking of the kingdom. So this ritual began at the end of the 40th year, near the end of the 40th year of the satanic reign over America, and it began on September eleven, nine eleven. Why nine eleven? Nine degrees equals two degrees, and two degrees equals nine degrees, and the number eleven is the number two. One and one is two, and those two equations are the mathematics of the capstone at the top of the tree of life. So nine eleven represents the mystical math of the capstone of this satanic kingdom in the year nineteen ninety, on the eve of the first Iraq war. George Bush senior would proclaim the dawn of a new world order of the nations where he said addressing the nation. Now we can see coming into view a new world order. Remember the first 11 year period represents revealing what is hidden in the darkness. Now you can see what is coming into view. A new world order is being formed. The second stage of the ritual occurred 11 years later on 9 11 2001 when Flight 11 slammed in the Twin Towers, themselves constructed to represent a symbolic or a mystic 11. You getting my drift here? The destruction of the Twin Towers was initiated, which initiated the second part of the ritual, resulted in the sacrifice of 3,000 souls, which would mark the beginning of the action. The unseen rulers of the fallen world would now begin their move to destroy the existing world order. First, by destabilizing the Middle East, creating the chaos out of which a new world order would rise one day as a phoenix from the ashes. And that destabilized Middle East would create this huge refugee flow, which would bring a fifth wave, if you will, into all the countries of Western Europe. As the the world was overrun with refugees from the Middle East. The two planes from each airline would be used. Together, they represent the number of 11, right? One and one is 11, as much as it's two. And it was doubled in the skies because together they represent the mystic number 22. The number of years that remain to complete the second stage of the ritual. A third step would occur over a final 11-year period for the completion of the task and the placement of the capstone represented by the number 33, the third and final 11-year phase would begin on 9/11/2012. 100 days later the solar system would pass through the galactic median and our world would cross over into the new age. The final 11-year period will end with the placing of the capstone mystically on 9/11/2023 and World War 3 will occur will occur shortly thereafter. If not in the fall of 2023 and It'll be completed by 2024. Thus, the great work will have been completed in 33 years. The eclipse on October 14th that occurred crossed the nation from Oregon to Texas. And at high noon, it exited America over the city of Corpus Christi, marking the end for America. That same eclipse went down through South America, exited Brazil later that day, Again, turning the sky dark over a city named after the cross, Nouveau-Cruz. God was warning North and South America that the light of the gospel of truth is about to be extinguished in your land. The final eclipse, which I talked about already, which will, will create the final marking of the X, will occur in 2024 on April 8th. And it will begin in Maine, crossing through New England, where the early pilgrims landed, darkening the sky over Dallas, where an American president was murdered in plain sight on 1122 in 1963. He was murdered in plain sight and no one saw a thing. The occult significance of the city of Dallas, its history, the Roe v. Wade decision, along with the significance of the Kennedy murder to the satanic ritual associated with the detonation of the first atomic bomb 18 years earlier, is the subject of a book that I've written but have not yet chosen to publish. The dates for these events, when marked alongside the spring and fall equinox, create the sign of the Antichrist. If you take the spring equinox as as the top of the circle the fall equinox is the bottom and you mark the detonation of the atomic bomb on white sands in July of 1943, pardon me, 1945 and then you mark the Kennedy assassination in November of 63 and you connect all the dots to the center you have the sign of the antichrist the broken upside down cross which we which the pagans call the peace sign it's simply astonishing you know, that the end of America Babylon has come, 70. I mentioned to you that America's reign is the ruling superpower. The first year under complete Chaldean rule was 1950. 13 years later, 13 is rebellion. They killed an American president. 23 is the number of death. 1973, it became legal to worship Moloch in America again. and You could legally mur- murder your children. 2020 was the 70th year of America Babylon. And so began the judgment with the release of the bioweapon. And if you take the years 2021, 2022, and 2023, which are appointed for America's final reckoning, even as there were three years appointed in times past where, where the desolation of Jerusalem was delayed a few years following the desolation of Babylon, if you add those three years together, you get the number 6066. The destruction of America in World War III was planned long ago. As the opening ceremony for the dawn of the new Saturnic age. As the ritual sacrifice of 9-11 cost 3,000 American lives, World War III is intended to require 300 million. Following the World War, which is the ride of the red horse, the black horse will immediately begin bringing famine, death, and disease to the world. And the loss of 2 billion souls. The one world government under the rule of the Antichrist will rise from the ashes in the months following the war as the surviving remnant in America will begin to organize a second exodus back to the wilderness of Zion, where they'll be hidden from the face of the dragon and his beast. When the ancients saw a scapegoat, and this is a quote from the book Kill King 33 Degrees, which you guys can find on the internet, and it explains all the satanic symbolism surrounding the death of our late president, John F. Kennedy. And in this book, they write, when the ancients saw a scapegoat, they would at least recognize him for what he is, a human sacrifice. But when modern men see the scapegoat, they do not. Or rather, they refuse to recognize the scapegoat for what it is. Instead, we look for scientific explanations to explain away the obvious. America has been chosen as a scapegoat. World War III is being organized for her destruction. And it's in the scriptures. The lion has emerged from the thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on it, on its way. And, and if you go to Jeremiah 50, verse 44, and Jeremiah 50 and 51 deals with the judgment of ancient America. You know, if you really start in Jeremiah 46 and you just start reading, you're going to read about all the nations in the Middle East that could draw into the world war. And then finally, you'll get to 50 and 51, and God talks about the attack that will then come upon America. And in verse 44, which is repeated in Jeremiah 49, which means it's been determined by God, this is happening. Nothing is changing. it." It says, behold, he will come up. This is the lion, the Antichrist. He will come up like a lion from the swelling of the Jordan. That's the flood. The swelling of the Jordan is the crisis in the Middle East. And isn't it ironic that it was called the al Flood. And now all over the world, as I mentioned previously, the protests that are being organized are being named after the cities and they're being called the flood. The flood that has started in the Jordan River. It will ultimately come to the habitation of the strong. That's the United States of America. But I, this is the Lord referencing himself, I will make them suddenly run away from her, America. So don't fear, saints of the Most High God. Your God is able to deliver you. As a matter of fact, he's about to come in a remnant of his people as a lion from the tribe of Judah. and He's coming forth to make war against his enemies and to deliver a righteous remnant. Now, there's a huge backslidden church that is about to be purified in the fire because they wouldn't repent at the hearing of the word of God. They wouldn't repent at the warnings from heaven. They, they looked in at their sin and they, they, they excused it or they denied it. They lied to themselves and they lied to their God. They mentioned the name of the Holy One, but not in truth. And the straight and the narrow way is the way of absolute truth. Only those who walk in the truth can enter therein. And much of the church is on the wide road. And if God doesn't intervene and turn their heads around, they will walk into eternal destruction. So the Lord, who is so rich in his mercy, is not going to forsake these apostate ones. Instead, he's sending the enemy. Behold the arsenal of the Lord. And it is formidable. And isn't it ironic? The United States cannot get a hypersonic missile to work. Nor do we have any defense against these weapons. No, this is is the judgment of Almighty God. But look what he says in verse 44. I will make them suddenly run away from America. The Lord is going to intervene in this war. It's going to look like we've lost you guys. And you know what? It's going to get to the point where where only a remnant of people are are left alive. And, And the armies that are opposing us, there's no way we could stop them. But that remnant of people are going to get down on their knees. And they're going to fast and pray. Just like the pilgrims did 400 years ago. And when the remnant of God in America repents of their sin utterly, the Lord will then intervene. And the Lord is quite capable of turning the combined armies of the world on their heels. And then look what he says. And who is a chosen one that I may appoint over her? We're getting a new government, you guys. Following World War III, we're going to have a new government. We're going to get a new governor. He's going to be a whole lot like Moses, or he's going to be a whole lot like Joseph, or he's going to be a whole lot like King David. He's going to be a whole lot like the Lord, because he's going to lead the nation back to righteousness. And it says, and who is like me? And who will appoint me the time? Who will discern the timing for World War III? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Brothers and sisters, if you're in the remnant, your God's coming to deliver you. We don't need to be worried about what's coming upon the earth. We need to be worried about what's inside of us. We don't need to be spending all our time focused on the news. We need to spend the majority of our time in worship and in praise and in entering into the presence of the Mighty One, entering into the anointing which breaks the yoke, and then do the deep work of repentance and learn warfare prayer. If you don't know how to use authority, go to my website. There's a link to a series of audio messages under the radio tab. There's two messages on spiritual warfare in which I walk through. And Shannon, I think you'd probably be yes and amening pretty much. Matter of fact, you and I may have actually done those or, or a version of them previously. But you guys, we need to become equipped and expert in spiritual warfare because that is what's coming. Surely the least of the flock will draw them out. So, you know, we're here. Um... 20, I mentioned 2023 is the 50th year anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and you know, 50, it's the jubilee cycle. But for the world, it's not going to be a jubilee of of deliverance or freedom. And you know, if you've got small kids, if you got children listening, you might want to you might want to get them out of the room or you know, turn this off. Come back and listen to it later. So I'm going to touch some things you don't probably don't want your kids to hear. Maybe the women don't even want to hear what I'm now going to say. 2023, it became legal to murder babies in America. They call it choice. It's actually the worship of Molech. Fifty years is the number of a jubilee. And and under the law of the jubilee, you get what is coming to you. The people who belong to the Lord, they can look forward to the year of redemption. The people who've repented and, and put their faith in Jesus... You're going to get what's coming. You're going to get your hope. You're going to get what you can expect, which is your God's coming to save you. Hallelujah. But for the wicked who rejected his salvation and have despised his word, they're going to get the penalty, which is judgment and death. The people who belong to the Lord face the can look forward to the year of redemption. The world will now face the day of vengeance. Isaiah 63, verse 4, for the day of vengeance is in my heart. That's what God wants to do right now. Thank God, I, I'm surprised he waited this long. And the year of my redeemed has come. The reason he waited is he waited for the final 70th Jubilee of Israel, the spiritual Jubilee. The 10th Jubilee regarding the restoration of the city, the 70th Jubilee for the restoration of the nation. And in America, America's evil is going to be stopped. In today's America, the abortion practices have evolved into a form of evil without measure our government agencies fund abortion that is so barbaric you don't want to hear about it live babies that are scheduled for death by abortion are born prematurely late term babies now 90% of the abortions are first term are within weeks But for those who waited until they've They've got a, you know, near full term baby and then decide they want to kill their child. In some of the clinics in the city of Pittsburgh, what they're doing is inducing a premature birth in order to harvest the organs for medical research. And they, they want the baby alive because they want to preserve the blood supply to these organs as long as possible. So the babies are killed as their livers and, and, and body parts are cut out while they are alive without anesthetic. Their bodies are then thrown in hazardous waste garbage bags where they bleed out. These poor little souls are first laid on a cold steel killing table. Their heads, their hands, and their feet are taped down so they cannot move during the procedure. And their body parts are sent to educational institutions, such as the University of Pittsburgh Medical School, where hell on earth is now occurring on a daily basis. Yeah, the University of Pittsburgh, home of the Panthers, Panther Pride, is also home to some of the most barbaric experiments carried out on aborted human infants. All across our country, this evil is occurring. There's a five-minute video online. uh, Um, I, I don't think anybody could finish watching the video. I, 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 I had to stop. A warning is order in order. Um, if you do find this video, I mean, we can put the link in the show links if anybody has the courage to see the evil that's being done. But I can tell you, most of us couldn't stand to look. But the Lord has to look. He has to see. He doesn't turn a blind eye to the evil in the land. And I can assure you, I am not being extreme when I tell you the Holy One has seen enough. The Lord can no longer tolerate watching this anymore. Now, the average American, including most Christians, they choose to ignore this Holocaust occurring in our land. They prefer to focus on enjoying their guacamole and chips and their ice-cold beer, while they watch the modern-day Nephilim, the NFL, play football on TV. You know, and Thanksgiving Day is a day of feasting or gluttony and a day of American football. It's long since stopped being a day of giving thanks to God in America. You know, I wonder if, if we weren't warned this year when on Monday night football on January 3rd in 2023, which was the legal holiday for New Year's Day. Heaven showed the world that America's game is being suspended later this year. When one of the players had a cardiac event, collapsed on the field. And notice the number of the player that was injured. It was number three. The number of the judgment about to be released in a world war that would also be numbered three. As yes, 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of the murder of the innocent in America. The practice began with saline abortions in which the baby was burned to death in the womb and a shriveled and blackened corpse would be stillborn. Very similar, the, the death would take up to two hours. Very similar to the death of the children in the Valley of Hinnom when the worshippers of Molech would build a fire stacking up wood 100 yards wide. Hundreds of little lambs with their legs tied together would be thrown into the flames. And hundreds of babies would also be thrown into the fire. Bone fragments from their remains proved the babies took up to two hours to die. Do you recall what the Holy One did when his judgment fell on that wicked nation? It will not even pale in comparison to what awaits America. I know this evil is ending soon. Of this, I'm certain. And I'll share with you an excerpt from my book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. It's the caption subtitled, I am the Lord, I change not. God declares in Malachi that he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is a God of judgment. He will not tolerate the murder of innocent children or the promotion of sexual immorality or sodomy without bringing his judgment. God judged Israel from turning from his truth to darkness. The people had begun worshiping pagan gods and engaged in all form of wickedness. They were worshiping Ashtaroth, the god of sexual immorality. They were killing their babies by burning them alive on the altars of Molech. The fire would be built under the stone hands, and when the hands were red hot, they would place the newborn infants upon them. Though they turned a deaf ear to the screams of their own children, the Lord heard. and His He turned his ear to the suffering cries of his little ones. His heart was turned with compassion for these poor innocent babies. And in his nostril, the fire of his wrath kindled against his now wicked nation. He did not tarry long before bringing his judgment. Today in America, this nation worships the same evil gods. Though America has turned a deaf ear to their cry, the Lord still hears and his heart still breaks for each and every one of these innocent souls. And again, the Lord has become wroth with this, his once Christian nation. He will not tarry long this time either. You know, I first began to warn America in the summer of 1999. I went on national tour for my book, the day of the Lord is at hand Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch, they warned Israel for for 23 years. Jeremiah in, in chapter 25, verse 3, writes for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, king of Judah to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me and I've spoken persistently to you but you have not listened. Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch warned Israel for 23 years and then The next year, the judgment came. My 23 years of warning America ended in 2022. And now, the judgment will come. And uh, I'll leave you with a quote from a book called Secret and Suppressed, Banned Ideas from a Hidden History. For years, I've been trying to draw attention to the Masonic sorcery and its relationship to political control. Most of the institutions Intellectual people in America realize the power of Freemasonry, but they've been hoodwinked because they do not understand the secrecy, the silence and the darkness that surrounds the mysteries of the Masonic art. So control of the government of the United States is traced to Wall Street and not to the crossroads of witchcraft. America is a news ghetto where the news media continually endeavors to promote apathy while going through the motion, the lip sync of alleged reform. Like a haunted house draining its occupants of any will to resist in return for a night of sleep without nightmares, the American people have been captives to a horror that feeds them misinformation as its stone bell tolls the death of a nation. Truly the day of the Lord is at hand. Brothers and sisters, rather than freak out, rather than become afraid, because the Lord said, do not be afraid. What we really need to do is begin to fast and pray and gather in solemn assemblies. How many of you have been invited to a solemn assembly recently? How many of you have ever attended a solemn assembly? The churches, they love to have their potluck. You know, it's always food, and most of it's poison sugar food, you know, toxic meat, the pig, the flesh of the pig, ham. Filled with the toxins because pigs don't have sweat glands. I mean, you're eating poison. And that's what they serve. They're serving poison at their potlucks. They serve poison in their services, most of them. But the truth is, go read the book of Joel. There's only three chapters. Then I'm going to leave this with you as homework. Go read the book of Joel. And and I want you to get a notepad out. And I want you to write down every commandment that's in the book of Joel. And then, you know, it's pretty They're pretty simple. There's not too many of them. You know, fast and pray, gather together in solemn assemblies, pray all night and continue fasting and praying until your praying involves weeping and mourning, and then you're breaking through. If your fasting and prayer has not brought you to weeping and mourning yet, then your heart is still hardened and you need more fasting and prayer. It's that simple. And if you value your children or your grandchildren, you will obey the commandment of the Lord. And if not, well, then you'll probably end up in what I call the repentance rehabilitation workshop, which is, you know, a, a colorful description to the death camps of the beast, where much of the backslidden church will be taken, so that they can do the appropriate fasting and prayer from the bottom of their heart. And and when we repent, the Lord will respond, and and he he will immediately bless his people. With the Holy Spirit and with His Shalom. But you don't need to go through the workshop. There's a better way. And it's called learn to obey. And all of us need to repent of not taking the Lord's word seriously. Now, in these repentance, these times of repentance, in these solemn assemblies, you know, you want to gather together with a very small group of people. You know, you can't get real in, in a large public group. We need to gather together, you know, five or six, seven or eight people that you know, you trust, you love. And I've been to several solemn assemblies. And every time the Lord commanded that the men and the women separate, we'd have like a a weekend solemn assembly. Everybody fasted and prayed before they even showed up. We spent the whole weekend fasting and praying. And there wasn't any time to eat. We were too busy repenting. Friday night, there was a a service of worship and and group repentance. And then Saturday, men and the women separated. The men with the men, the women with the women, and everybody got real. And everybody got honest. And everybody got brutal. And everybody prayed for each other. And it was breakthrough time, huge. and Then on Sunday, everybody came back together. And God had done amazing transformations. Because if if we will take the step to actually try to obey the Lord, if you will actually begin fasting and praying, if you will actually try to organize a solemn assembly, if you do everything in your power to try to obey God, God knows this. We need his help. You're going to need his help. I need his help. We can't do this by ourselves. But if you do everything you can do, I can assure you the word of God is very clear. God will show up and do what only he can do. And so I would leave you with that, brothers and sisters. You know, if you understand how serious this message is, you get together with the closest people in your life that you trust. And you begin fasting and praying as a group and do the deep repentance work. And while you're fasting and praying, would you please pray for Shannon? You know what? You guys that are full of the Holy Spirit that know how to do warfare, please remember me and your prayers. Obviously, the enemy wanted me silenced, didn't want me here today to give this message to you. And so I face a whole lot of warfare. And Those of you that are truly anointed with the Holy Spirit, I would appreciate your prayers. The rest of you, uh, no thank you. You know, the prayers of the righteous avail much. The prayers of the compromised, um, save it for someone else. I'd prefer you not even to pray for me uh, because actually it can do more harm than good. So, uh, you know, I don't want to receive anything other than what comes through the Holy Spirit.
1: Hallelujah. And uh, with that, I'll I'll open up for questions, Shannon. Benjamin, uh, what would you like to title this broadcast for the archive today?
2: I guess the Day of Vengeance, the Year of Redemption.
1: Okay, let me write that down. The Day of Vengeance, the Year of Redemption, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Also... Uh, give out your website, Benjamin. Where do people go to follow your work?
2: BenjaminBroop.net uh, would be where you could find some great information. There's quite a bit that's just available online. A bunch of links to really important audio messages are online. And, and you can find my books. And if you haven't read any of them, I would really point you to the Search the Scriptures series, which was the Lord brought forth to bring deliverance in the lives of his people. The Day of the Lord is at Hand is is all about America and Bible prophecy. I've got another book, The New Tactics of Global War, in which Jeff Nyquist and I collaborated to explain how World War III is going to occur and how the United States could be defeated in war. You know, For your unbelievers that think America is the, the only superpower in the earth, you know, the New Tactics uh, will dispel that myth. But the Search the Scriptures series four volumes out of the darkness the remnant shall return you know that they shall know the truth and I am the door will really point you in um, some critical deliverance areas where you can achieve the victory
1: one more question um, where can they go to tune into future broadcast where do you broadcast from
2: well I you know I, I appear on remnant call I get invited to different programs I was I um, I was on a program with Vincent Xavier, Watchman Radio, where I kind of went over this similar message maybe a week ago. I appear with Shannon occasionally. Yes. Um, We can certainly do a follow-up, Shannon, because we just scratched the
1: surface on this, brother. Oh, man, listen, I'm excited to reconnect with you, and uh, we're certainly going to have you back on. You look at your schedule in November, get me a date, and let's do it. And um, I want to encourage people to share this with a friend. I'm going to get it up in the next hour into the archive at Podbean. And uh, folks, this is one you want to share with everybody. Uh, Benjamin, before we close tonight, you want to pray for Israel? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yes. Father God, we we stand in the gap for Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for the, the people of Israel. We pray for the soldiers in the IDF. We pray for those that are yours, that you would protect that which is yours, Lord. We pray for their deliverance. We pray for their salvation. Lord, we pray for the innocent. We pray for the Christians that are, that are inside these Arab countries. There are believers that are in Gaza. There are believers in the Arab world who are also your beloved. Lord, we pray for your people throughout the reach of this conflict. And Lord, we pray for the remnant in America as well, for this war is coming to our shore very soon. Lord, I pray you would protect that which is yours. Lord, everything else is going to be destroyed. The end of the age has come. The end of all flesh has come. Lord, we need to be people that take your word seriously. I pray, Lord, you would quicken the hearts and, and you would bring conviction upon the souls of your children everywhere that people would begin to, with earnest, seek you with fasting and prayer, Lord, and that, that they would begin to seek you with praise and worship. For it's the anointing that will break the yoke and you know and whatever we try to accomplish in the flesh is meaningless the flesh profits nothing Lord I pray that you would bless your people with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would quicken their hearts to repentance would quicken their minds to to seek your face first thing in the morning in Jesus name I pray,
1: Amen Amen folks a powerful broadcast today if you're just joining us We'll have it up in about an hour available for you. Benjamin, thank you for making time for us today, brother. God bless you. Bless you. And folks, go to net to learn
0: more. We'll see you back soon, Benjamin. All right. Shalom. Shalom.